the staff and I have, um, if y'all want to come on up, uh, staff and I have been talking for a number of weeks about uh, some of the different subjects that we can uh, talk about and to uh, uh, lead you in discussion of how to engage in certain groups uh, in our world today. Uh, we're going to talk about tonight, of course, as I have already spoken about, homosexuals. And uh, how do you, how does the church engage with the homosexual? Uh, does the church, I, I jotted a question down, and it says, is it time for Christians to give up on the whole idea of the homosexual issue? In other words, do we just condone it and forget about it? Or what do we do about it? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about world religions, the way that uh, we see there are many different types of religions. And uh, we're going to talk about Islam, uh, what they believe and uh, how it contrasts with the Christian faith. We're going to talk about um, uh, one particular night, we're going to talk about different denominations of what one believes in comparison to what we believe. Uh, and then we're going to talk about um, those that uh, are just completely off the chart and that uh, uh, would can be completely against Christianity, and we'll talk about that. But engaging homosexuals with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a quote that is written here uh, from Time Magazine, May of 2016. I want you to listen to this. It says, for centuries, being lesbian, gay, and bisexual, or transgender in America meant hiding at least part of who you are. The stigma traces as far back as the colonial era. When sodomy was a capital crime, women were arrested for having same-sex relationships and men were jailed for wearing women's clothing. My times have changed, has it not? When pollsters asked Americans last year how they would identify on the Kinsey scale a six-point rating span from exclusively homosexual to exclusively heterosexual, about a third of the millennials pointed somewhere in the middle. In other words, they don't know what to, to believe. Homosexuality, is, is it right or is it wrong? And then it says compared to 8% of the people over age 45, many people aren't even aware that they have a gender identity. Others are, but don't happen to identify as male or female. And then they gave us the population of uh, homosexuals in America. Could somebody give us a percentage of what you think that uh, is the population of homosexuals in America? Anybody? Three percent? Okay. Anybody else? Six percent. Thirty percent. Sixteen percent. Well, y'all are pretty close. What? 
It's actually between 5 and 10%. The population of homosexuals in America, somewhere between 5 and 10%. And, and so why are we so bombarded? Well, they are very vocal. They really are. Um, I think we're living in a generation that is very confused. And um, I think that, uh, that, as we were discussing the other day, that there's some that are just not necessarily attracted to the opposite sex. That doesn't necessarily mean that that person is a homosexual. But in our day and time, we classify someone if they're not attractive to another. Uh, I mean, if they're not, if they're attracted, let me get it right. If they're not attracted to the opposite sex, and even though they're not married, we automatically classify them as a homosexual. But you know what? I find it interesting what the Bible has to say about that. In Matthew chapter 9, verse, uh, no, 35, that's right. Matthew chapter 9. The Lord reminds us of what we are supposed to do as a church. As a believer, we as a church recognize that homosexuality is a sin. It is an outward sin. It's a sin of the body. So, what do we do? Do we just condone it and go our merry way? Or do we do something about it? Well, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, think about that for a moment. I believe personally that homosexuality is a sin, and the Bible is very clear and plain about that. But the Bible says that Jesus says here, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no Shepherd. Hmm. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So the Bible's pretty clear. Very plain of what we as believers to be doing. That we're to have compassion upon homosexuals, transgender people, and that we're to love them, and we're going to 
and we're to encourage them to find their way through the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, how do you view homosexuality? Just pull it. Take it right back there in the back. Jim, I believe you raised your hand, right? Well, I believe it's a sin because the Bible says so, period. Okay. Hello. Hey, there we go. It must be my tooth that's causing her something. <laughs> yes, um, as a pastor, uh, I got confronted with this several times. And one in particular, uh, when I was pastoring out in Alloway County, one of my deacons came to me and said that he wanted me to talk to his mother. And this was 20 years ago. And uh, she lived down on Hatteras Island, had moved kind of away from civilization and I said, well, you know, whenever she comes up, if she wants to talk, just, you know, have her come by. So to make a long story short, she came up for a visit with them. And uh, he called me and said, yeah, Mama would like to talk to you. So she came over and sat in my office. And I sat across from her and I said, just tell me what's on your heart. And she said, well, I've just, uh, I've done some horrible things. And he had, he had intimated to me that it was something towards homosexuality. And so I just took her to a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and following. If you want to turn to there, and I'll read it to you and tell you what I did and what happened. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and following, it says, Are you all there yet? Okay. It says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And I kind of stopped right there, and she just started crying. She said, well, I'm right in there. She said, that means I can't go to heaven. I said, wait a minute, I haven't finished reading the passage. Because she knew that her son was a born-again believer, and, her, and his wife too. And I said, look what verse 11 says. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And right then, I said, and she was crying in front of me. I said, do you know that uh, if you come to know Christ, he's your personal Savior, he'll take that sin away if you confess it. And she said, you mean right now? And I said, yes, ma'am. So she did, and she accepted Jesus Christ right then at that moment and got rid of that sin, and she moved back down to where she was living on the Outer Banks, and I found out that Hatteras Baptist Church was about three miles from where she lives. So I called the pastor. And he went by and visited her. And as far as I know, she's still going there and studying the Word and yeah. still saved. You just got to confront it as it is. And that passage right there was very good because it's pretty clear. Yeah. Amen? Amen. I think that you're going to see tonight, that's what we're going to suggest, that you confront sin, but you confront it with uh, compassion with the Lord Jesus. I believe, Brother... Uh, Ken's got something that he wants to show. The, the culture today uh, has, uh, that segment of the culture has set itself against the church. 
uh, they consider Christians as, uh, you know, homophobic and and uh, uh, what's it, you know, double um, hypocritical and all those kinds of things. And so uh, we have a real job on our hands trying to minister to them. And when the opportunity presents itself, very often, you know, it's if they discover that we're Christian, uh, right away their assumption is going to be we're, we're going to condemn them. And uh, that's not the approach that Jesus takes. You know, and, and one of the things that we need to remember, you know what amazes me? In the church, There is we've discovered so much adultery, so much incest, so much other other addictions as we talked about last week. And we don't say a lot about that, especially when we're aware of those that there may there are even those in the church that are practicing those things. But when it comes to homosexuality, our opinions get very strong. We develop this uh, you know kind of, and what we need to remember is you know, we all started out at the same place. You know, uh, the baseline is what? We're all sinners. Every one of us. Now, does God consider any one sin greater than another? No, sin is spiritual adultery. Okay, we rebelled against God. And so we don't, um, just as Paul says in Galatians, you know, if we counsel someone, we have to do it with great care, being very careful because lest we might fall under the same sin. You know, that's a warning for us that whenever we approach someone, whenever we go to uh, minister to someone, we have to do it with a great deal of compassion, realizing that that's where we came from. You know, just as Jim read from that passage in Corinthians, such were some of you. But you have been washed by the blood. So I think that um, uh, when we are doing this, when we are aware of someone, oftentimes we'll be maybe ministering to a lost person. We don't even we don't know what they are. We don't know they're homosexual, heterosexual, or what kind of sin is in their life. That is not our concern right now. Our first concern is always what that they're lost. And they need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that needs to be our starting point, doesn't it? That's our baseline. If, if they're homosexual, you know, we still need to win them to Christ first because to talk with them about their homosexuality before they come to Christ, it's just going to, you know, they will not understand it. They will not accept it. Um, we're going to start talking about um, causes of homosexuality, and uh, Matt, I'm going to need you to kind of go around, and if people raise their hand, and you want to offer up maybe a thought about what you think causes homosexuality. Now, we did just define it. The baseline is it's sin. God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, okay, one, you know, husband, one wife for life, okay? That's his design. Okay, and what we're finding with the statistic that Brother Kelly just shared is that a generation is coming up and they don't know what they are. Okay, they're in the middle as far as identity. Okay, 
the Bible lays out for us identity, who you are and who you can be in Christ. Okay, and so for a car to want to be an airplane, can't just a car just can't be an airplane. An airplane to want to be a car, you can't just be a car. There was a designer behind that airplane that made it specifically to be an airplane for specific purposes to do certain things. There was a designer behind this car that designed it to do certain things, specific purposes. I want you to realize the era in which we are in, in 2017, we are still fortunate to not be banned from having this meeting tonight about this subject. I want you to understand that. We are not far from a time where this deception that the enemy is laying down here, it's going to get worse, okay? And it's going to be a such a deception that think that a lot of people think it's truth. And then what will happen, most likely, it will be a hate crime it, to speak against homosexuality or lesbianism. I don't know if you saw this. Um, I saw it this week that states are already starting to ban this therapy about if you're a homosexual, there was therapies in, you know, to say, no, you're not this, okay? This is who you are. And, and states are beginning to ban that. So as Christians, we wouldn't even be allowed to say, no, you're not a homosexual. Here's what the designer designed you to be. And you can be just that, okay? Grasp the times that we're in and the generation that is coming up who are very confused about identity, okay? Um, Causes. I want to remind you, okay, that as you speak and have open mic tonight, we are video recording this and it's going online. So if you could refrain from personal stories about somebody that you know and and that kind of thing, um, in case people are watching this online, um, and welcome to those who are watching online, um, but just be sensitive to your answers tonight. Um, again, let's start out. What are some things that you think are some causes of homosexuality? Matt, would you, anybody raise your hand and, and just, you know, go ahead and, you know. Okay, yeah, Elaine, right up here. Hold, wait for the mic because this is online. It's got to feed through, so there you go. I know it's a sin, and I know it's God's design for all of us to receive him and to live for him for a certain purpose, and that's to live for him. But when we're we're born, we're born into certain families, and things happen to people. And some people don't really hear much Bible teaching growing up. Some people have... They just have maybe an absent father or mother, or maybe someone took advantage of them. So there are a lot of things that so there's three fall that you just in, mentioned right there that fall into play yeah. that we don't see. We yeah. have no right to be harsh in our judgment. I, I we agree. have no right. Yeah. Yeah. And those verses that named all those immoral sins, homosexuality was only one of them. That's exactly right. 
yeah. and we love all those people because they're to be truthful with you all those people are they're our family they're our mother they're their sons our daughters our nieces our nephews all of us have a friend maybe so yeah going we, back to the three that you just mentioned you, you right. just rattled off three right. important ones can be some cause, not that it's foolproof every time, cookie cutter, this is what's going to happen. I, you know, just understand that, too. Name, name those three again. Do you remember what you were saying? It was uh, maybe well, a, okay. a father. I think you're, you, you know, the type of uh, parents you have, whether you're exposed to Bible teaching, whether it's right or wrong. Maybe you didn't have any male figure in the home. Okay. Uh, maybe there was someone in... Uh, when the child was growing up, that sexually took advantage of that child. Sexual abuse. They yeah. became mm-hmm. uh, thinking it was okay. That's yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Those so are, there are many factors. Yeah. Any others? And, yeah. Let me let me give some chances for any others to think of some causes. Any other things along those lines that you're thinking of? Um, right back here. Yeah. Go ahead. Causes. I wonder sometimes if it's people that are seeking um, some love or affection from somebody that they may not be, they may not have in their own life, that they're trying to uh, lean on somebody else and kind of be sucked into an environment that that may not be. That yeah, that's absolutely like what Elaine was going off of. Maybe there weren't parents in the home that did love them show them affection, and now they're looking for it anywhere, you know, anybody that would give it to them. Yeah, good point. Any other causes that you can think of? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're brought up in a family that already has, a, you know, homosexual parents. So the environment already is there and created, and you're learning in that way. Maybe they're just a product of that environment. Any other thoughts about causes? Okay, yeah, back here, Matt. Well, I would definitely say that it's a learned behavior because homosexuality, uh, you can't procreate, make one of your own. And um, the sociology book at Books at Old Dominion in the 70s, say about uh, mid-70s, it called it a deviant behavior. And by the 80s, and uh, a relative went to uh, Virginia Wesleyan, their sociology book stated that it was an acceptable behavior. So a, a matter of maybe about not quite 10 years uh, our society had changed so much, yeah. getting farther and farther away from the Bible. Yeah. And uh, it's a shame I would like to comment about, I think that they drum up so much hate, you know, in movies, uh, even the news. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Christian or you believe the Bible, uh, the Ten Commandments and so forth, what the Bible says about homosexuality being a sin that uh, it's, it's, they're gearing it to hate these trigger words like, uh, you know, homophobe and so forth. I think, um, 
definitely one on there is, is rebellion, you know, and, and it may be rebellion toward parents. It might be straight rebellion toward God for maybe how they were treated um, as a child or, or, or teenager or things like that. That might be one of the, those causes as well. Somebody else have? Yeah, go ahead, Bob. Yes, I uh, adopted. We, uh, my wife and myself adopted two boys when they were babies, raised them up both. Uh, the oldest one was very talented. When he got a little age to him, he could play anything he heard on the radio, whatever, on the piano, just like as if he was playing off of the notes. Anyway, anyway, he was very talented. But he, he sent a note home when he went to, to a, a music school that he was gay. But anyway, that kind of hit us kind of hard. But later years, when my wife passed away, he, of course, he came to the funeral. He came to the funeral of his grand, her, her mother and so forth. And we had a good talk, myself and him, out in the backyard. And I told him, I said, it, it's an abomination. It's a perverted lifestyle. And I told him this directly. I looked him right in the eye, and I said, if you don't come out of it, you're going to die and split hell right wide open. And he looked at me, and he didn't say anything. And I thought that would be the end of our conversation. That would be the end of our relationship. He'd go back to Philadelphia, and I'd never see him again, hear him again. But, you know, that wasn't the end of it. That was just the beginning because he, I talk with him every week now. And uh, I just... Uh, I hate for it to happen this way, but it was a direct quote, and he knows how I feel, even though we we talk with each other and, and, and discuss old times and so forth. Yeah. He knows how I feel about what he's in, yeah. and I hope and pray he comes out. He calls me up and tells me to pray for somebody in his church and mm-hmm. for somebody that's sick and somebody needs prayer, somebody in our family that needs prayer. This is just about every week, and he tells me he loves me. I tell him I love him. I do. Yeah, yeah. and God's using you. That's exactly what we were talking about in the in the scripture that Brother Kelly read. Had compassion, you know, on them because they were sheep without a shepherd, and he engaged, and you engaged in this boy's life, and and were willing to take that on. I saw another hand raised back here. Causes of we're going to get into some of the effects real quick too. Go ahead, Jim. Um, we had a young lady in the church there. She grew up in the church. She was very active in the arts and peer pressure. She played a fiddle. She sang. She played a mandolin. I mean, beautiful. She was at every church service, if you will. She went to the Iwana clubs when she was, you know, at that age. And then she went to Radford University and went to art school. And everybody she was around, peer pressure. And the next thing I hear that the pastor that followed me, he excommunicated her from the church because he only, uh, she put out that she was a homosexual now. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it just broke my heart because I tried to, to help yeah. and to be, I could see those tendencies coming yeah. because even when I was studying the scriptures down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina School of the Arts was there and it was quite a homosexual crowd associated with the arts. Yeah. And when that is your heroes, and you see a lot of that on television, you, that peer pressure, you get caught up in it. That's right. And some folks never come out of it. That's sad. That's right. 
It's like a disease. You just get addicted to it. Yeah. Peer pressure is a heavy thing, and you see it among the arts, you know, the music, the, you know, those things. You see that. Um, and so it's, you know, we, we need to be careful with um, young people that, that we might associate with, grandkids and that kind of thing. We need to warn them that th- that is a greater temptation in that <coughs> set of peers and you really need to be on guard when you're in and associated with that group of people. It just is. The enemy has a foothold within those particular people groups, and we need to warn them and say, "How? what is your plan to stay strong against the temptation to be labeled even, even if you're not, to be labeled that way? You know, and so that, yeah, absolutely. Effects, okay, quickly, into effects of homosexuality. Um, I'm just going to list off a few here uh, for the sake of time, but um, obviously physical effects, okay, sexually transmitted diseases. Um, I remember when Magic Johnson came out and said he had HIV, okay, um, and, and we often associated ha- um, AIDS with homosexuality. Okay, and there certainly are physical effects, um, STDs and things like that. It promotes a, a promiscuous lifestyle. Very few gays are committed, are in committed, stable, long-term relationships. Typically, they jump from relationship to relationship. And the, the, the percentages are low to have even just one or f- to four partners. Uh, the percentages are very low. More than that is the norm. Um, and so a promiscuous lifestyle. It often promotes a descent into deviancy where um, it can just breed sexual deviancy, um, in which many cases it's abusive, and they're acting outside what sex was created for, and it's unity. And here's the other thing. I want you to understand this. This one hit me the most as far as the effect, okay? Loneliness and rejection, if they choose a homosexual lifestyle, they are bringing on a loneliness and rejection because they know that many, many people out there, and the main ones are the church, are opposed to how they live. Okay? And so homosexuals are, are by and large unhappy people. And they're unhappy because however successful their fight against discrimination might be, they will never gain either the understanding or acceptance by the straight world. They're also unhappy because they suffer a more than average share of loneliness and rejection, even at times by their own gay friends. If infidelity plagues the straight world, they plague the gay world to a far greater degree. Another one is guilt and self-hate. So they are feeling the effects. And I hope by us bringing this to light that you would start breaking down these these walls that might be on a road that would connect you to engage somebody with compassion. They're feeling lonely. They're feeling rejected. These are the people that Jesus looked for. These are the ones he saw and had compassion on them. And when the Pharisees got upset with it, he said, it's the sick that need a doctor. And so I'm hoping that we would break down in our minds barriers, that they're over here. And we look, oftentimes Christians will look at homosexuality as an act of sin rather than a sin condition in which we once were. 
We were in a sin condition and Jesus washed us clean. And the same can be there for somebody that's hurting and needs that. Okay? So, Brother Kelly, enemies. Who do you think behind, excuse me, go ahead. Suicide. Suicide. Orientation. Yeah, that is so true. It's very common. Um, who do you think is behind all this? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think Satan is behind uh, certainly the sin of homosexuality. I think Satan is behind the, uh, the way that they view the church. Uh, we are to them as an enemy. We homophobic. And therefore, we are, uh, we are the enemy, they seem to be. And so that immediately they put up a defense. But I think that we have to be careful that we don't condone the sin, but we love the sinner. And that uh, we need to realize there is a real live enemy. Homosexuality is a sin, and... The homosexuality agenda is acceptance of their lifestyle. Uh, that's what this world is, uh, is being uh, approached by. That if you don't accept their lifestyle, you're homophobic. You are uh, uh, anti-gay. anti-gay or whatever you might want to call it. Uh, we are the, the, the enemy. And I think we have to be extremely careful about that. So I like the opportunity to be able to come together tonight and just be able to uh, see how we are to engage with them. Uh, we've got several pointers that we'd like to just, uh, you might want to jot them down. We've got some handouts that we're going to give to you uh, tonight as well of how do you go about engaging with the homosexual and the homosexual community. Well, number one, and I think is the uh, number one priority of all, is pray. That we need to bathe ourselves in prayer. We need to pray for the homosexual, but we need to pray for ourselves as well. We need to pray for wisdom. How do you um, have a... Um, uh, how do you communicate to the homosexual that you have compassion upon them? Uh, and so uh, we need to pray that God would give us words uh, to be able to uh, share with that individual. Uh, as someone had already said, homosexuality is one sin. And we sometimes uh, can't... Uh, kind of uh, escalate that above all the other sins. But it's a sin. But we need to realize all of us are sinners. And that we all have come short of the glory of God. This is a lifestyle that Satan has has encouraged, whether whatever that may have caused it, whether through the liberal arts of... uh, of uh, the entertainment world, as we see there are so many homosexuals of that community. Uh, whether it may be the abusiveness of a, uh, a parent 
or maybe uh, an abuse as a child. Uh, we need to recognize that that they are people with a soul, and we need to pray for them. And we need to pray for an opportunity to engage with them. Uh, not shun away from it, but to pray that God would give us opportunities. Uh, every day of my of my prayer life, I pray that God give me an opportunity to share the gospel. But I have to tell you, I haven't prayed, Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with a homosexual. But I'm going to start doing that. God, give me an opportunity to be able to somehow, some way, to be able to engage uh, with that person. The, um, probably this is one of the most difficult things you ever do in your life. Uh, and I think whenever you begin to take this approach, whenever you begin to think about uh, seriously engaging people, uh, for the purpose of sharing the gospel, that you need to be aware of your own personal, as the pastor was saying, praying for yourself, being aware of your own personal prejudices. Uh, when it comes to homosexuality, you know, we've all seen the, 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 the pictures, the images on, on television and uh, in the magazines and so forth of some of these and the way they celebrate things and, and so on. And, and it's it, it real uncomfortable. You don't want to get close to that. You don't want to get anywhere near it. And uh, I remember a few years ago when we were going down to Orlando uh, with uh, our daughter uh, and her family, uh, we ended up going down there during Gay Pride Week. And uh, this, we found didn't find that out until after we got down there. But as it turned out, they were coming in as we were leaving. And so I was, I have to be truthful with you, I was relieved. I did, I did not, uh, uh, I was not looking forward to uh, that kind of a thing. And I suppose the reason is I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. We, when we go to share the gospel with someone, we want to have the attitude that I want this person, I want to be a friend to this person. I want to be their friend because a friend cares. A friend loves. Jesus loved the multitudes. He loved those folks. He had compassion upon them. That compassion drew out of the depths of his own bowels, his, his being, because he cared. He loved them. Okay, so, so uh, desperately. And so he told his disciples to pray, pray for them, you know, for the Lord to send out uh, laborers into his harvest. And so when you, when you do that, if your mind, if you have your mind attuned, the thing that you need to do is to go out there to listen. You meet someone, spend time with them, listen to them. You know, you don't want to be ready to jump right in with the gospel. You know, are you saved, brother? And, you know, that, that you, you're going to lose them, right? You want to you want to understand them, get to know who they are. Uh, there may be uh, demonstrative needs right there that you can step into and, and minister to them through, all right? And then when they say, why are you doing this? You can say, because... I'm a Christian, 
And I love you as I want to love you as Christ loves you. You know, and 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 that then in today, I'll tell you something in today's generation, especially among the millennials, that raises real questions in their mind. They really like they like the sound of that. They want to hear about that. The uh, millennials today, they don't care how much you know about God. They do not care until they know how much you care about them. All right. So it's we need to to uh, listen to them and understand them, and and then you know the, uh, the we develop that that sense that Jesus had his, that compassion came out of his empathizing with those folks. Okay, did you want to speak to that uh, that actual uh, thing, Tim? Uh, and this is this is where we want to be. Okay, in that place where we're feeling what they felt. And and when you're listening to someone, we're not talking about listening and trying to think of the next thing you're going to say. We often do that, don't we? In a conversation, we're, we're listening. We act like we're listening, but we're ready to pounce. We're right when I see a pause, okay, boom, I'm going to say it, right? If we can capture really the art of listening, and if the Bible is true when it says... Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is coming out is what's inside them. And let me ask you a question. Do you want love? Do you want respect? Do you want acceptance? Do you want companionship? Do you want significance? Do you want forgiveness? Do you know the homosexual wants that? There is common ground that you can empathize with them. You may not be able to understand exactly where their mindset is because you don't have that homosexual mindset. But there's a common ground that you can reach with them. And like, like Ken was saying, care. Care. Because what they think of the church is hate. The church hates us. Right? And we think the homosexual hates us, right? I think the opposite of what Ken was talking about when he went to Orlando would be if a homosexual couple went to the city that the Southern Baptist Convention was being held in. You know what I mean? They'd be like, oh, no, we're here at that convention. You know, because they might feel just as awkward or out of place in that moment. But if we can break down the walls on that bridge to be able to engage and listen to them, and empathize with them. Because again, that, comp, that bridge leads us to the fact that we were once there on the other side of the bridge in a sin condition. And fortunately, God brought us out of that. And we can share that. You know? So empathize, empathize with them. Brother Kelly. I think that, uh, Jim... heard him preach, have you? I have. And this is what we've got to start thinking. He said, we're twice-born people living in a once-born society, and they don't think like we do. Yeah. And we've just got to start turning our mind and start thinking, well, how do they think about this? Because when you're born again, you think a whole lot differently than when you before you were born again. And I, that stuck with me. It's been with me for a long time. We're twice-born people, 
in a once-born society. And he said that the persecution and harassment is going to get worse and worse and worse. Absolutely. But praise God, greatest he that's in us is in the world. Amen. One thing we need to realize that, as we said earlier, Satan is behind all this, but that he has blinded the minds of people. He has blinded them from what the truth says. And, and by that, they don't see that there's anything wrong. It's natural and normal for them. But as we as a church, we talked about, we've talked about that we need to pray for them. We need to listen to them. We need to empathize with them. But I think that we as a church needs to affirm. Now, when I say affirm, not affirm their homosexuality, but affirm that God loves them unconditionally. Um, I have a preacher friend of mine that uh, his, uh, his uh, Sunday service is on TV. And he preached on homosexuality one Sunday. And he preached on the sin of the homosexuality. Well, the following Sunday, they had a protest in front of the church. Uh, they were probably about 25 or 30 homosexuals that were protesting in front of the church. And um, he did something rather unique. He went out and he bought uh, several dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts and, uh, and coffee, and he distributed that from uh, to them while they were out there, and invited them to come in. Of course, they did not want to come in. But they continued their protest for several, several, several weeks. But out of that protest, there were two homosexuals chose to attend the church. And when they came in, the church overwhelmingly loved them. Overwhelmingly affirmed God's unconditional love. And he gave testimony about six months later. Both of them gave their heart and their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So do you see what we, what, what we are faced with here today? That we can turn our backs and we can stand on the word, well, it's a sin and we're not going to have anything to do with it. Uh, I, as I read there in Matthew chapter 9 that God had compassion. He had compassion upon you and compassion upon me. And, and had it not been for that compassion, and had it not been for the grace of God, I could be in that same set of circumstances as many, many people are today. And so I just feel like that affirmation and reinforcing a positive attitude for the individual, not for the sin. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, that, 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 that is by no means that we are to condone the sin. But I do believe that God expects us to love the sinner. You know, I don't think they're going to understand that, this affirmation, unless they see it through you first. Right? It comes through you. As to you, to them, you are Christ. Okay? You are Jesus. They're going to learn how, uh, who Jesus is by the way you treat them, by the way in which you love them. Amen. So, you know, when, uh, it means most often we're going to have to be very, very patient. 
Because it takes, you know, when a person is coming from that place and they believe that that is who God has defined them as, as homosexual, it's going to, you know, uh, it's going to take that kind of love and, uh, and your willingness to stay, okay, when you have uh, uh, attempted to meet their needs means you hang around, okay. You uh, establish that friendship with them. And through that, they come to experience God's love and acceptance, acceptance in spite of this. They come to understand, maybe God really didn't make me this way, you know. And when they come to that place, they can know that, that if they are going to experience the fullness of God's blessings, that they need to turn from that lifestyle and turn toward God. Okay, they need to be confronted with the fact that the homosexuality, that kind of lifestyle is a sin. It's a sin like any other, like adultery and uh, those kinds of other other sexual sins. But it's um, uh, it's a sin nonetheless. And God abhors sin in any form. And so we're patient with them. As we lead them through that uh, to that place where they can accept that, knowing that God loves them, and they can then turn to Him, and and accept His love, and 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 that's when that's when the work begins of just bringing that person when they learn what it means to accept Christ and that God wants to grow them. Then you're in the prime position to help them grow as a young Christian. There couldn't be a better spot for you in discipling that person and helping them come to know uh, 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 to become a mature Christian. And God gets the glory. All right. So. Well, um, our time's wrapping up. And if you were taking notes, the, we've been through praying for them, listen, empathize, affirm. Brother Ken just talked about direct, direct them, guide them how they can turn their lifestyle around and give their heart to Jesus. Um, And then lastly, enlist, you know, in that discipleship process, enlist them to help guide them out. What steps are they going to take to say no to the temptation? Because once they accept Christ as their Savior, that doesn't mean temptations go away, right? Yeah, we have to put up safeguards and if you just say, okay, this is what you need to do. Now that you accepted Christ, you've repented, you go and do this, get rid of all this, do this and this. Well, enlist their help into sharing the exit strategy and making the plan for how they can get out of this lifestyle. Um, you know, I one, one thing real fast, I know we're getting out of time, but um, a real hot button issue that we're seeing is a mixture of Christianity and homosexuality. It's becoming okay in churches to ordain and um, bring forth pastors that are homosexuals and things like that. I've often heard, you know, well, why can't I be a Christian homosexual? I said, well, therein lies the problem. You have two names. Which name do you want? Do you want Christian or do you want homosexual? The Bible, my Bible says you can't serve two masters. 
And so if you want Christianity and, and Christ to be your master, well, then you'll look for how you can serve him as your master. If you want homosexuality to be your master, well, then you'll go and find things to make homosexuality your master. But how do you mix the two? You, you can't. And so to me, how do you take Christianity and marry that with homosexuality? It's, it's uh, saying I'm a Christian alcoholic. Okay, I'm just, I, I want to carry both of those names. Well, you can't. You set up safeguards, if you're a Christian, not to fall in and, and be close to certain temptations that get to you more than maybe somebody else. And so how do you set up those safeguards? Enlist their help. Um, and lastly, it's refer. When you get to a point with somebody and you don't know exactly where else to head, refer. Refer them to somebody that maybe could help, help you help them. Um, and, and maybe it's counseling, maybe it's uh, a friend that you know who maybe has been in that lifestyle and now has turned, and they are setting up safeguards, okay? Um, refer them when you know it's gotten a little bit too deep for you, okay? Um, well, this kind of wraps it up for what we were wanting to share with you tonight. We could talk for hours upon this, on this particular subject. But referral is something that is very important. Um, as we talked about last week on addictions, somebody asked me, says, well, someone that who is an addict, uh, do y'all as a staff have uh, referrals that we could refer these individuals to? And of course we do. Uh, we have counselors, we have uh, uh, clinics that we could uh, refer individuals that are Christian based and uh, anyone that has a, a need like that, if you would contact us, we can certainly lead you in that direction. Well, one last question. Is there any one last question or comment before we close? Yes. What that uh, verse in chapter 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, it was naming sexual sins, but it also named thieves. So all these were not, people were not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And I was thinking about Judas was allowed to go around with Jesus for over three years and to learn and hear his teachings. And Jesus knew he was a thief the whole time. And these were sins that he would not inherit the kingdom of God. He never changed. So we have to have a way that they can come and hear the teachings of Jesus Christ. We have to have a way that they can be taught. Maybe we can continue Amen. and learn more about that, That's right. how we're going to go about it. Because Absolutely. they need and they deserve to be taught by Christians. And if we refer them, we need to have a place to refer them to. Right. 
Okay. Yes, Loretta. I personally believe that a person can be born a homosexual. They don't want to be, just as a person can be born blind, deaf, without legs, without arms. They don't want to be. The abomination comes in when they practice the homosexuality, not being one, the practice of it. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and when you say personally, I appreciate when you say personally, I feel that way. Um, and and I, when I've heard that um, response before, I, I quickly come back and say, yes, we're all born sinners. We are born uh, prone to sin, a sin condition, right? And as we grow up, there's different acts of sin that we commit. Homosexuality is the effect of a sin condition. And, and so that's a, a, a real important matter that we want to make sure everybody left here understanding we're all in, we're in that sin condition. And, and they are feeling that, those effects as well. Right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for allowing us to uh, discuss a very sensitive uh, discussion here today. And Lord, we just pray that for your wisdom and your guidance in our lives, help us, dear Lord, to... Have the compassion of Christ. Help us, dear Lord, to love and to share and to direct. Whether it's a homosexual or whatever that person may be involved in. But Lord, realizing that a person that's without the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's lost and he's doomed for an eternal damnation. And Lord, that you loved him enough that you was willing to come into this world to die for his sins and to renew him and to make him a new man, as the Bible says, where old things will pass away and all things will become new. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us tonight, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight.